Let's pray. Father, thank you for this beautiful day. Thank you for your children that are here to worship and to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Help us to leave here better today, Lord, having partaken of the precious manna from heaven, the anointed word of God, allow it to take root and bear fruit in our lives, that we be healed, empowered, loved, and prospered by you and share that with others. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. (laughs) Turn to Matthew chapter 10, verse 16. Matthew chapter 10, verse 16. The portion of scripture right above that is where Jesus is sending out the 12 apostles, instructing them um, where to go, what to do. And in in verse 8, he tells them, Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons you receive without paying, give without pay. He's telling them what to do, and he's, he's giving them... Remember, these guys had not received the baptism of the Holy Spirit yet. But, and just like in the Old Covenant with some of the prophets and things, there were special endowments of the Holy Ghost. Something we have all the time now. If we receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, we can walk in the same power victory. I just point this out because verse 5 through... uh, 15, he's, he's giving them these instructions. And that's in uh, the other Gospels as well. Uh, at least you can find it in uh, Mark and Luke. But the part starting at verse 16 where I'm at, this is exclusive to Matthew. And I just want to read this, verse 16. He says, Behold, I am sending you out as sheep In the midst of wolves, right, amongst wolves. So be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. He's warning them that there's going to be persecution. And it's written down here for you today. Not just to know the story of what happened to them, but to understand how it will go for you as Christians. I mean, there are examples here where he gives them, uh, beware of men, for they will deliver you over to the courts and flog you in their synagogues. Why were they delivered over to the courts? To spread the word of God. That put them in front of kings, you see. In, in front of heads of nations. And this body doesn't really matter. I know when we... When things happen to our bodies and when we go through things physically or financially, even emotionally, we think, God, how can you? And it just sometimes seems like he really just doesn't, you know, you might want to say, Lord, like the, like the disciples did Jesus that time. They went to the back of the boat. We're going to drown. Don't you care? We want to say that to God sometimes. I'm drowning here. I know you see it. Why aren't you doing anything? John four twenty four. God is a spirit, and those who worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. We're only here for a flicker, and as much as we like to think that this world revolves around us, it really doesn't. It's all about Him. It's always been about him and the gospel. Because this good news, that's what the word gospel means. Almost too good to be true news. That was the word that they couldn't even describe. Is is really about our eternal address. Amen. Yeah. And the 
the best that we can hope for when we leave this world is not to take anything we've acquired. I said before, the only thing you're going to take with you is souls. The Bible says it's wise. Those who win souls are wise. That sounds kind of self-gratifying. But no, I'm talking to you guys. Because you wouldn't be sitting here on such a beautiful Sunday morning when everybody else is off at rallies and renaissance festivals and everything else that could be done. This is the most gorgeous time of the year to do it. Amen. Amen. So you're the fanatics. (laughs) (laughs) But Jesus was... Sending them out, and and, and and when he tells us something like he told them, it's not to scare, but to prepare, right? The only help for sheep amongst wolves is from their shepherd, amen? Yeah. And that's what we have to, to realize, and we have to grow in our experience, our comfort level, our confidence that... When Jesus said, I will never leave you or forsake you, he met it. And that he is literally right here with you right now. And he loves you. But we have to learn to live after the Spirit. Over in Romans chapter 8... After Paul scared the wits out of everybody trying to explain to them the difference in law and grace. It's the most beautifully written and amazing document, one of them in the Bible. His revelation of the book of Romans. But he says... I'll start to save time... Verse 3, for God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin. He condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit, capital S. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death. But to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. And I tell people all the time when they're telling me how badly they want certain things and they've been praying for these things, these things, these things that are going to fix everything. And what they're really lacking is peace. All we really want is peace. Yes, amen. If, you didn't, if you didn't even have a roof over your head but you had total peace... You wouldn't care, you see. I want everyone to prosper just like God does. Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in good health, even as your soul prospers. 3 John 2. There's a correlation between the two. And if we don't understand... Spirit, soul, and body. That's why I talk about it so much. You will never understand the things of God. We will never walk in victory in this life. We will never truly believe how much God loves us. And that He's always with us. The Bible says that in our spirit, which is the part of us that was reborn, one third of your salvation is complete. We have the very mind of Christ. Our spirit knows all things. Amen. Look at Hebrews chapter 4. 
think. Back in the back. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. Let me back up <laughs> to 11. Let us therefore strive to enter that rest. There we go. <clears throat> Jesus has provided a Sabbath rest for his people. You see, that's why, that's why we feel sorry for people who make such a big thing well, it's never a bad thing to make a big thing. Out. If you want to set a day apart, it's good for the body to have a day of rest. God made us that way. Yeah. The land, the same thing in farming. You know, it's good not to, not to farm it every year. We, we're supposed to get rest. And it's good to set aside a day to spend with the Lord or whatever. But the Sabbath day was a type and shadow, you see. And under the law for 1,500 years, they weren't allowed to do anything on Sunday. Couldn't even pick up sticks. Somebody was killed in the Old Covenant after the law had been given at Mount Sinai. And they went out to pick up sticks to make a fire and they were struck dead for working on the Sabbath. Our work is supposed to have ceased as well, you see. Because now we have entered into that Sabbath rest. When Jesus said, it is finished. And the Son of God who had no place to lay his head when he was here, finally did rest in the arms of his Father. Because he was done with his work. And now we have entered into that Sabbath rest. And that's what he's saying. So we need to endeavor, to struggle, to strive, to enter that rest. To work. See, that's our work. That's our struggle now. That's our... That's our... Our only thing legalistic left now is for us to learn how to stop being legalistic and rest in, in the truth and the promises of God. The finished work of Jesus Christ. So therefore strive to enter that rest. So that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. For the word of God. Verse 12 is where I meant to start. For the word of God is living and active. Sharper than any two-edged sword. Piercing to the division of soul and of spirit. Of joints and of marrow and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. That last part, it's all about motivation, you see. I teach on motives a lot. Because one person, two people can go on the same journey. One be in sin the whole way, everything they did along the way. The other person be perfect in God's sight. Having done the same, taken the same actions in the same route as the other person, you see. Because one's motivation was wrong and the other's was, other was motivated in love. Man looks on the outer appearance, God looks on the heart. But this word... This word of God that so many churches and so much of the world are trying to teach our young people that this is just an old book written by men about God and it's not relevant. That's, that's a lie. This, this is a book written by God. That's why it's the number one all-time bestseller and always will be. Through men to you. And it says that it's 
sharper than a two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, even able to divide between soul and spirit. Why is that necessary? Because like I said, our spirit is the part of us that has been renewed. The spirit of us understands all things, has the mind of Christ, has all the love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control that God has. The character of God is in you, in your spirit, and sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, and you cannot discern it with your natural senses, with your soulish realm. And there's a difference. One is perfected and holy again, And the other is being renewed as you learn to agree with this sharpened sword that is able to divide between what is true in God's eyes and what you say is true based on the wrong programming that we've had all our lives. And when we, as Christians have an unction now, a a prompting and uh, from that Holy One, a knowing that, hey, in my quiet time today, reading through here, and I see, uh uh-oh, I'm off course here. This has not been my way, but this is how God says I am to be. This is how Jesus is, and it's not how I am in this particular thing. I'll I'll call it this thing, not sharing with anyone, you see. But now I know. Now I know the truth. And I know that my soul is in disagreement with that truth. Because when I saw it, I wanted to just close the book real fast or skip to another page. Or go find a church that I heard about that, does a, that doesn't agree with that. Because there are some now. A lot of them. So my itching ears want to go hear what is pleasing to this soulish realm, you see. But now it's my duty... To bear my cross daily. Now I have to come into agreement with God. And get this soul straightened out regarding that truth. If I want to walk in victory. Amen. Seriously, amen. I'm just like... Amen. And now... Oh... It's even better because now I've learned because Pastor Will said when I got truly born again that that old sin nature was evicted, cast out by the man himself, Jesus Christ. And now I don't have the fallen sin nature Satan ain't my daddy no more. My father is God in heaven. And so now there's nothing compelling me to continue on with the old way. Before I knew God, I was really better off when I said the devil made me do it because in a way it was true. But now he has no control over me. And I have a choice to make. It's, it's all about me deciding to do things God's way or not. Now that I know the truth, I can do it. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That means all things that are of God. You see, he's assuming that... <laughs> You know he's not in agreement with the devil. Amen. Why is this so important? Why is this so important? Because you know. 
There are people who leave and go to that place that will tell them what they want to hear. Why is it so important that they understand this first? That you understand it. That, that Because even as I'm sitting here, it's like, Pastor, can't you just move on? I, 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 just, I get it, but I'm just feeling a little condemned. And I mean, just get up off of it, man. Yeah, I got some things to work out. <laughs> because I want you to know you can. I want you to know, I want... Because if... if if, if you can't help yourself, if you can't help how you feel or what you think and have no control over these things, that's just the way I am. That's just where I come from, so forth and so on and nonsense after nonsense. Then what good is it going to do that crackhead downtown today? You know? If the sovereignty of God is just complete and total, case Sarah, Sarah, whatever will be, will be. Whatever happens, that's what God intended. That's a lie, and it's from the devil. We like to comfort ourselves with that when, when there's things we don't understand. And I'm not against anyone being comforted. That's, that's what this is all about. But, but Jesus said, if you abide in my word, if you follow after my teachings, if you, if you go along and you, uh, you allow this word to change you and to become more like me, then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Sharper than a two-edged sword. So it's going to tell you. Sometimes we don't know. Sometimes we have disagreements. We have divisions. We have misunderstandings. And the best place to be, the person that I hope to always be dealing with, is the person that is in agreement with me regarding one thing. Well, let's see what God says. And if we can, we can find out what God says, let's just do that. Lord, whatever is lacking in us, help us. That, that's, I can deal with that. <laughs> I'll do that, even if it hurts. You know? So many people say and do things these days, they'll say anything. In the moment, the Bible says a righteous man will swear to his own hurt and change not. I've said some things that later on I was like, oh, that's not going to really work out too good for me. And I do it anyway. Or I do what Jesus said and go to that person and say, man, please let me off the hook here. I really misspoke. That's proper. Verse 13. And no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. You see, not only can we know what's right and wrong, but he knows and he knows when we know. And everything is laid bare to Him. We've got things we think we're hiding from Him still and holding on to tightly. And He's saying, give me what's in your hand. You say, I don't have anything in my hand. And, and he, but He really does have something better to fill that hand with, you see. And it's so hard to believe that. It's so hard to trust in that. And then, you, know, you know what, frankly, even when we get to a place where I do believe it, but, but when? Is it like right now? Because I, I need it right now. Otherwise, I'll hold on to this for a while longer. You see, there's always terms and conditions. You know, like the plane going down. Lord, if if you don't if we don't crash, I'll do this and that and the other. Come on, hey, I heard you. <laughs> Here's where I'm really going. Verse fourteen. Since then. 
We have a great high priest, that's Jesus, who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. 16. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Let us come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find favor in the time of need. And I say it all the time, but you know, this is so significant to those Jews who were reading this. This is called Hebrews. They were writing this to the Jews who for 1,500 years could not approach God on their own. They had to go through a priest. And that priest could only approach God once a year go into the Holy of Holies, the high priest, with a rope tied around his leg in case he had sin in his life because he would die in God's presence and they'd have to drag him out because who could go in to get him? This is how they approached God. But that's all over now. That priesthood is gone, set aside, and now we have a high priest forever. Who has atoned for our sins. There's no more sacrifices to be made. All those blood sacrifices were just types in the shadow of Him. And His precious blood being spilled for us. And His body being broken for us. And now, He's always there at the right hand of the Father interceding for us. So now he says, come boldly. And that's where that's the word I was looking with. Do are we coming boldly to the throne of grace? Or are we coming like a whipped dog? Are we are you scared of your daddy? I I know some preachers who preach a, a hard, mean God. I remember one time I was in Atlanta, in Atlanta, one, one of the times I was ordained. And this is the one time I did it with the full collar turned about backwards and all that. But I remember this preacher preaching, Don't you call God Daddy. I remember sitting there thinking, well, that's what Abba meant, meant in Hebrew. That was the, it wasn't, that didn't mean father, it meant daddy. It was an affectionate, uh, like a little kid's term for their, their daddy. Abba. And that says, we're supposed to cry out, Abba, Father. <laughs> Nevertheless, there's a lot of wrong teaching in the body. Yeah, there is. And, I pray for everyone. I, I don't know everything. But I do know this. You have a Father in Heaven who loves you. And you can walk with confidence right into His office. I don't care what kind of meeting is going on. I always think of that picture of John F. Kennedy with his little kids running around the desk in the Oval Office. Remember that? Yeah. See, that's how it is with us. Yeah. You can feel it. Do you think one of those Secret Service agents could have could have snatched one of those kids up and scolded them and put them out of their room? No. Can you think? Can you imagine? No. You need to think of yourself like that. That's you. That precious, precious child whom he loves so much. Look at Psalm 103 if you have your Bible. 
I love Psalm 103. I'm just going to start reading it because I'm going to use a part of it today that I don't normally. I pray that this is where it is. But I, I use this and you hear this when people are talking about healing a lot. They'll quote a few verses here from Psalm 103. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Oh, I went off course. I wasn't watching. That's how I quote it to my, in my prayer time. Who forgives all your sins or all your iniquity. Who heals all your diseases. You see, you're speaking to your soul here. David was talking to his soul. He reminding himself, it's good to bring these things into our own remembrance. Peter told us, it, redundancy is good with God. It's good that I continue to remind you of the same things that I've told you before. Repetition is good when it comes to the promises of God. Get it in there. Get it in there good. Who redeems your life from the pit... Who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy. Who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. And the answer is God. My Father in heaven does all that for me. He has done all that for me. It's already on account. And I have the checkbook and the authorization to sign Jesus Christ. On the dotted line. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love. He will not always chide, nor will he... Keep his anger forever. You see, this is old covenant. It's even better than this for us, you see. He's never going to be angry with you again. <laughs> but even then, he was good. He's always been good. Even in the under the law, his motivation was good. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities, for as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. You know, this fear is not a it's not being afraid. Again, it sounds contradictory, but it's not the type of fear that would make you uh, make you fearful of punishment or judgment. That's already been taken care of. You see, this is someone who holds him in high regard, who reverences him. You know, I, uh, I. I never have uh, laid a hand on any, uh, I never spanked a kid, but I, you know, all, and all of our, uh, you know, all, Tavana's three adult children are, are my stepchildren, but they, they, they reverence me. They, 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 they don't talk ugly to me, you know what I mean? And and they would be quite shocked if they were to ever hear someone do it in their presence. Not because I'm special in the sense that I'm going to do something to them. That might that would have been the old the old will. <laughs> but there's a difference between demanding respect and commanding respect. And you definitely want the latter. Yeah. I hope that that's because 
they know that I love them and that I do everything I can to protect and provide and and, and you see and that's just a, a terrible example of the goodness of God because he is so much better than any of us could ever be way better than definitely I was at one time when he loved me anyway and saved me when I definitely didn't deserve it Our sins have been removed. I don't know how far this is. As far as the east is from the west. I think that's pretty far. I'm not worried about them finding them. If they're that far away. Praise the Lord. And so I can come boldly. With confidence. To the throne of grace. He loves us. And we give Him pleasure when we approach Him with confidence and boldness and call Him Abba, Father. That's in, isn't that in Galatians chapter 4? Just so you have something else underlined. And because, verse 6, and because you are, see I have it underlined to remind myself. Galatians 4, and because you are sons and daughters... God has sent His Spirit, the Spirit of His Son, into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Put exclamation points there, He did. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. You are an heir to to everything that, that Jesus is an heir to, which is the entire kingdom. And yeah, no, the streets aren't paved with gold. They're made of gold. And you know, that matters very little to God. He just likes nice things. He he likes nice things for you. But He really wants you to know that peace, that confidence. He wants you to see yourself nestled in the shadow of His wings where no one can harm you. Nothing can break in and get you. But the thing is, He's sending us out like sheep amongst wolves into this world. And we know that it's bad. It's, it's getting worse. And, and there's a huge falling away going on in America from the church. Even the polls which they've done, which I, I don't... Oh, We've okay. proof, we see that polls are not uh, honest. You're not polling me. <laughs> <laughs> but there's a, there's, a, there's a huge falling away from the church. And I would be afraid to know that those who even call themselves Christians, the ones that still do call themselves Christians, how many of them really belong to our Father. But we got to keep trying. Because if they were to know the right truth and believe it they can all be set free and that's our job so while they're all seeking things their way and all the things that they think will make them happy and and fix all the problems in their lives and and not to be told what to do by anybody we are called in Matthew chapter 6 Verse 33, to seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And then all these things that they're seeking after, all these things will be added to you. From the, as you work from the position of rest in Christ, in His finished work. This is the hardest thing for me. This is where I'm at in my in my prayer life, in my studies. That's why I'm sharing it with you. Because remember what I told you recently, how, how God let me off the hook when one of my mentors told me uh, some years ago, just, just feed them what God's been feeding you. Right. Amen. And then it'll always be a blessing. That's, that's the hardest thing for me is to let, let go and let God. Yeah. But I know, I know it's true. 
And it doesn't take much. All I have to do is start giving thanks for all the things He has done. And I just go back as far as it takes until I go, okay, I get it. I get it. You've been there the whole time. You've never let me down. Why do I keep thinking you're going to this time? Amen. Amen. Yeah. 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 Just one more thing I want to share with you, and then I'm going to let you go because it's such a beautiful day. In Psalm 92. Psalm 92. Psalm 92 and verse 12. See how it's underlined here in my Bible? The righteous flourish like the palm tree and grow like a cedar in Lebanon. This is a song that David wrote. And David, David was... David was in a place where he saw the prosperity of his enemies and all of all these supposedly great nations thriving and prospering and, and, and people who were against him prospering and thriving. And he, I'm sure he felt very small. I, I, I just... I, I feel that from David sometimes, and I, I, I definitely identify with that. But he also knew God's promises and God's word and what God had told him. And he knew, even though everything around him seemed one way, he did seem small, he did seem outnumbered, he did... They were thriving and prospering around him when he was hiding in the cave, you know. But he also knew that those kingdoms and those people were going to perish all around him and that his kingdom was going to thrive and prosper and was eternal. And he believed God. I don't know how. Because it sure didn't look like what God had promised. Just like it didn't look for Abraham and Sarah when they're a hundred years old. Where he's a hundred. And he's supposed to have the child of promise, Isaac. And have more children than the, the grains of sand. But he believed God. He saw... What God said, and he knew it. So why would God, though, why would they even compare a palm tree and a cedar? A cedar is a beautiful, it smells good, it gives a lot of shade, it's great for wood. It's But a palm tree, I like them because they remind me of the ocean. Right. But other than that, I mean, they... They don't offer much shade. Very few varieties offer any fruit. But the palm tree is a tree that will thrive in very harsh conditions. Very little water. In a desert situation. A parched, dry, lonely, hostile environment. A palm tree will flourish. It's because... The system of nourishment with a palm tree is different than any other tree. You know, if I go out there, here we know, we're known in, in Texas down here for beautiful oak trees. I have two in my front yard. But if I go out and I, I take my, my knife and I, 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 I do it with it, you can wring it. Is what they say. If I cut 
the bark off of that tree all the way around that tree in a circle. Ring it. It'll die. Because it receives its, its nourishment through the bark. Through that, through that outer layer there. The palm tree doesn't. You can take and rip all those shingle looking things off a palm tree. You can take and that stuff and weave a, a blanket out of that hairy stuff on there, whatever. It don't care. It just looks better. Still thrives. Because it receives its nourishment up through its trunk. Through its core. That's how we are. And its roots go deep. You see, I have some... some uh, there's like water oaks is what's in my front yard. They have water oaks and they have surface roots. It's hard to even have any grass up there. I always say in the wintertime, I'm the, I have the nicest yard in the neighborhood. In the summer, the ugliest because it's all dirt around the by the house where, where those roots are. No grass will grow. In the wintertime, I put rye grass. It's a winter grass and it'll yeah. grow anywhere. But it sucks up all the water from the surface there. But the, the, the palm tree, that root goes straight down, sometimes hundreds of feet. And it receives its nourishment from the core. That's how we as Christians have to be. If we're going to thrive in this hostile environment in which we live. Don't get me wrong, we're very blessed to be here. That God knew what color you were going to be and what gender you were going to be and what nation and what town, where you were going to be born. We didn't pick all that. But we're blessed to be here in this nation, even though things are, are bad for Christianity in the sense that, well, we can thank God we have a president who's done more for the church than any ever. Amen. And we can thank God that he's going to be there for four more years yes, after 2020. That's a guarantee. I heard the prophecy. And God showed it to me when I saw him on television coming down the escalator, that famous escalator ride. I was walking past the room one day uh, going back to work and Tavana was sitting there. And I happened to see that. Well, anyway, I'll tell you the story later. It is prophetic. Oh, yeah. The Trump is prophetic. But we need to live from our spirit. Yes. That's the point. Just to get to the point of that. we To live after the flesh or according to the flesh or our soulish realm is death. Amen. It will produce death in all its various forms. Physically, Emotionally, financially, <clears throat> bitterness, unforgiveness, yeah. depression. All of those things come from us meditating on the wrong things. So we need to draw from the well. You know? We need to understand, you know, there's a, fa- there's a song on, the, on KSBJ right now. <laughs> I'm so... Critical, I shouldn't be. But there's a song. God's not done with you. God's not done writing your story. Well, is he or isn't he? Is that true or isn't it true? God wrote your story before this world was ever established. You can preach this to the point where it's very... uh, it feels very lonesome and condemning. And that happened to me one time. And I felt, I didn't like it. Someone was preaching this and saying, God, God's not going to, God's done. The rest is up to you. It's how they put it, you see. Yeah. And it made me feel very alone. With everything we've talked about today, we see we're not alone. Yeah. And we shouldn't be lonely. We always have Him. And He has everything we need and we have everything we need but in that born again spirit he is done jesus sat down it's complete he's given us his authority he's given us all the provision for this life 
All things pertaining to life and godliness. Already in us. Full blown, full grown. We just need to, we need to draw from the well. You yeah. see? And I could get into the baptism of the Holy Spirit and how speaking in tongues is that dipper that draws from that well. But that's a whole nother lesson. Amen. But, but life after the Spirit, that's just a shortcut, by the way, to go straight to the throne of God, right? Bypass this flesh, this fleshy mind. But you can still agree with God. Yeah. That's walking after the Spirit. Simply walking in agreement with God. Yeah. Yeah. Walking in agreement with the Word of God. Jesus is the Word made flesh. Here He is. How can two walk together lest they be agreed? Right. Get in agreement with God. Don't worry about what you see or what you hear. Mm-hmm. Believe what God says. Create an apostolic atmosphere in your own home, in your own workplace, in your own life, your body, your bank account. Speak to those things that are not as though they were. And they will be. Uh Father, thank you for your love and grace and for your mercy. Thank you that we can come boldly Right into the throne room, Lord. Right into the throne room of grace. So that we may obtain that mercy and find favor in the time of need. Thank you, Lord. I think there are a lot of needs right now. And I just pray, Lord, that everyone here and everyone who hears this message, that you will meet them at their point or points of need. And that you will fill all those needs. Show them how to draw from the well. Show them how to receive by faith those things which you have provided by grace. Help us, Lord. Help us to be that church where that acronym help to heal, empower, love, and prosper the body of Christ really means something. Help us to walk in greater power and victory. Not that we can take claim it for ourselves or say that it's anything of our own doing but so that we can be better off so that we can help others so that this will be the place wherever we are that they come to to say I've been to church I've been in the presence of the Lord and I am stronger I am better I am healed because of it I am Empowered because of it. I feel loved because of it. And I have become prosperous because of it. If you will give us this charge, Lord, we will do everything in your power to walk it out with you working through us. We thank you in advance, Father. In Jesus' name, amen.